This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. It's all about you Come to the Saviour, God our Creator Come, let us praise Him for maybe an hour Then when we're done, we'll pack Him all up Send Him back to His corner Sing about Jesus, sing of His love Sing of the life that he gave up for us But heaven forbid that God would have the nerve to ask you to give up your own What you say, you believe Let him write it on your heart Let him carve it on each part of who you are Cause how can we follow Christ only when it's convenient? How can we worship a God who we don't even know? Open his word for a moment or so Take what you like and leave what you don't Tell me how Tell me how What you say You believe Would you write it with your blood The God we say we love Oh, he's worth it all He is worth it all What you stand
Welcome back, guys. That was Kimmy Agendi with How. Mm, powerful song. You like that one, Lawson? Oh, it's just it's fantastic. Of course, we know Kimmy pretty well. We had her here on the show on our uh, uh, Don't Let the Ability to Not See Me um, Deter from the Fact That I'm Doing Air Quotes Right Now final show ever and um <laughs> and yeah this is fantastic and that song is just powerful about you know god's ability to reach into our lives you know and um you know despite our sinfulness and despite you know despite who we are like how he's able to see through that and see past you know how messed up and deformed we are as human beings even though he's so perfect to reach into our lives and to lift us up which is, which is a powerful thing yep amazing thing all right Lyle. Yes. I need to give a clue for the quiz. You do. But I am waiting for it. I'm like, unfortunately. How did he cracks at this one so far? Nobody's picked it up yet. Unfortunately, I've lost the card. <laughs> what what a morning we are having. I don't know. Oh, there is. Uh, it's down there on the floor. Lawson's diving. It was, the floor. It was fine anyway, because I was just going to make up the next clue, and it was going to be a good one. But here we go. Okay. Who am I? I was told by Elijah to summon the prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel. Okay, who might that be? If you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 0491-064-669. You can also contact us via our social media. Mm. Uh, but the best way is to just give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM. And who was it who summoned the prophets of Baal to uh, Mount Carmel? Carmel. Mm. If you know the answer, then 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number to call. All right. Encounter with God, Lawson, we are digging back into our Bibles. We are studying the book of Nehemiah. We're studying the book of Ezra. We are part of the 20 million movement, 20 million people all yeah, we are. Uh, studying the same passage of the Bible together at the same time. And we have just a most amazing passage to read this morning. It comes from Nehemiah chapter 12, mm-hmm. and we're going to start in verse 31. We're going to work our way down through there for a little ways, and we'll just sort of see how far we get. Okay, here we go. I... Led. This is Nehemiah 12, verse 31. I led the leaders of Judah to the top of the wall and organized two large choirs to give thanks. One of the choirs proceeded southward along the top of the wall to the Dung Gate. Um, Hoshiah and the and half of the leaders of Judah followed them along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah. Then came some priests... Um, some priests who played trumpets, including Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, um, the son of Shehemiah, son of Mataniah. They were, they were super keen on who they were uh, related to back in the day, weren't they? Son of um, Micaiah, son of Zechariah, the descendant of Asaph. So we know this guy's legit because oh, yeah. he, he, he's the son of the guy who wrote the Psalms, bro. Asaph. Some of the Psalms. Some of the Psalms. Yes. Um and Zechariah's colleagues were Shemaiah, uh, uh, Azarel, Milai, uh, Milalai, Gilalai, Mai, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanani. They used the musical instruments prescribed by David the man of God. Ezra, the scribe, led this procession. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let's consider what's taking place. 
they are having this great celebration. Um, the wall has been finished. And they gather together these two large choirs. We've been talking quite a bit about the use of music within uh, worship services. Mm. We have mentioned the choirs that they had. We have mentioned how David uh, formed probably the world's first uh, music academy um, where they not only practiced on and learnt musical instruments, they learnt how to sing, they learnt the human voice as an instrument, but they also made musical instruments. And so music was a huge part of the worship of God in the ancient world. And here, here what Nehemiah has done is he's gathered these two great choirs together and they are now going to walk their way around the city and meet up again on the other side. Now imagine, just place yourself in the middle of Jerusalem at this particular time. Mm. You know, because they didn't have Faith FM radio back then. You couldn't, you know, just switch the radio on and listen to the most amazing music. <laughs> amazing music was something that, you know, you might hear on occasions or you might not. But here you've got a city that is going to be encircled by amazing music. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this or not of being part of a large choir. Mm. No, I have not. Um, that is walking through the streets of a city. But I have, and I've got to tell you, it sends chills up and down your spine. Mm. So when I was in Ethiopia, I got there a little bit before you did, Lawson. <laughs> oh, true. I completely forgot about that. You yeah, did. fully. I, I was a part of that. Not specifically your one, but you go first. And then okay. I'll oh, okay. You have one yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. So um, we were in Aksum up in the north, and Aksum is the ancient capital of Ethiopia, um, capital of the Aksumite Empire, which at one stage was one of the fourth largest empires in the world. While we were there, they were having a special celebration. Of course, this is a, a Christian city. Everybody mm. within the city is Orthodox Christian, apart from one small um, Seventh-day Adventist church. And our tour guide mentioned that on the next morning was going to be a special festival. Mm. And we're like, great, we'll go, we'll check that out for sure. And he's like, yeah, it starts like... I think it started like 4 o'clock in the morning. We're like, that's fine. We're jet-lagged. We will be awake. <laughs> and we were awake, bright, and um, up at that hour of the morning. And so you walk out of the hotel. And, of course, this is a developing country. Mm. And so you've got, you know, your typical African dusty streets. You've got your badge edges everywhere, but it's the, 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 the city is silent. Yeah. There is very little electricity. Very, very few street lights, anything like that. But the entire city is walking in one direction. Mm. Um, so this is a city of, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a large city, but at least half of the population turned up for this particular festival and they're all walking towards the church. And you've just got the tramp of feet, people walking along. You know, my friend walked straight into a tree because <laughs> it was pitch dark and there was no street lights <laughs> um, at one particular stage. Nearly wiped himself out. But the entire city is just walking up the street towards the church. And you get to the church and they all light a little candle and then they start to walk through the city in procession. Mm. And they start to sing. And they divide themselves up. And so the the uh, the men are at the front and the women are at the back or was it the other way around? I can't remember. But anyway, they're divided between men and women. And you hear them singing. I didn't understand the words. They were singing in Ge'ez, which is the uh, ancient Ethiopic language mm. and the man would sing and you have these deep resonating voices that would just you know literally 
thousands of men singing together wow. in the city streets. And then the women would reply. And then the men would reply. And you know, and it would move backwards and forwards between the men and the women, and they would take it turns singing the verses of these songs. It was just spine chilling. That is gnarly. And this is what this is the kind of event that you would have have had taking place. In, in fact, in many ways, this was a, a a mimic of what happened here with Jeremiah at this time. What you find in uh, Ethiopian Christianity is that they have mimicked a lot of the traditions that have come from mm. the land of Judah and Israel. Um, you go to um, the uh, city of Lalibela, and it's laid out as a kind of object lesson copy of Jerusalem. Mm. Of course, when uh, Lalibela was built, uh, it was it was a time when you know Jerusalem had been uh, taken by Islam, and so they're like, well, if we don't have a place of pilgrimage to go in uh, in Judah anymore, in Israel anymore, then people can come here. That was the kind of idea behind it. So you got the Jordan River there, you got all the different parts of the uh, mm. the city of Jerusalem right there in Lalibela, and so it's it's not uncommon for Ethiopian Christianity to mimic aspects of what was taking place, and this in many ways is a mimic of what was taking place here in. Jeremiah's day, and what an amazing way to start your day. Yeah. You know, by worshipping God mm. in song as a community, all together in a city, just a phenomenal experience. Mm. Oh, that is so good. Uh, it was, it was. Uh, my experience is a little bit not that. Before you come to yours, I just do, I do want to, I do want to, Make a couple of clarifications, which I'm probably not going to have time for. We'll hear Lawson's story after this little break. It's going to happen right about now. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. If I was to make any criticism, it would be this. Yes. Sometimes traditions replace an experience with God. Mm, Fully. And you definitely see that with... Versions of Christianity, the heavy on tradition. Yeah, uh, a lot of the tradition has replaced the actual, real, living experience of a relationship with God, mm. um, and that was something that sort of saddened me about it because I'm like, you know, this is such a great tradition. This is this is fantastic. What an amazing way to worship! I wish I could, I wish I knew the words to the songs that I could sing it with meaning. Um, but we need to be careful when we traditionalize Christianity too far. We can traditionalize away our experience with God. Mm. Anyway, Lawson, you had an experience oh, with Ethiopia as well. Yeah. So basically, the first night I rocked up to my church in in Boko to preach there. This was like I'd already been there a couple of nights, and I preached at a few other churches, but Boko was like the church that I stayed at. I um, old mate rocks up at the hotel with the bikes, like, "Hey, man, jump on the back. Let's go to um." Let's, let's go to the church. I'm like, yeah, sweet. And um, get on the back of the bike. My church is a bit of a, a regional church out of town. And, um, yeah, so we, we ride up there. And he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, so the Pathfinders at the moment are, like, doing some 
you know, marching celebration things as Pathfinders do. Basically, Pathfinders is like um, Seventh-day Adventist scouts and, um, you know, they, they get badges and one of the badges is marching. And so they were doing their marching demonstration. And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll just go up to them. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a Seventh-day Adventist, you know, like a marching demonstration that's not at like a campery in Australia where it's just like, you know, the, some, some, maybe some people from the church are there and it's just, you know, a neat little thing that happens. We rock up to this marching demonstration. There's like 20 pathfinders in the line marching, surrounded by probably like easily five to 600 people, maybe more. And they're <laughs> driving behind them is a car with a guy standing out the top of the sunroof holding a speaker that's playing music. For people to sing along to, and they're yes. like chanting these hymns. It was very much. It was like like your kind of thing is like you know very kind of solemn and early in the morning procession. You know, very very reverent. This was just like these dudes in the car, like in the pathfinders marching, and they have this one song that they play. And in Ethiopia, like in in the place where I was, anyway, they they don't have um, harmony. So when they sing, everything is just a chant. Because it's like they're all singing in the same, in the same, um, they're all singing the same melody, and they're just going hard, and it's oh, it's just the best. Like it was the most hectic. And then we rock up there, and he's like, "All right, hop off the bike." And I'm like, "Okay, what do you want me to do?" And he's like, "Oh, you're gonna march the Pathfinders into the church." And I was like, "Okay." So I like, I've never done Pathfinders, by the way. Like, I, I didn't really know. What Have I was you ever doing. marched in your life before? I actually, this is luckily I had been a part of some. Pathfinders up at Kempsey Church doing some training. I was Bible working there for a little bit and they were doing some training in marching. So I kind of just followed them around. So I had a little bit of an idea what to do. And so, yeah, I just led them and, you know, I was like, you know, step, step and, and doing like the arm swing and stuff. And they'd be like, stop. And then you sort of march on the spot and go to the left and go to the right. And then you keep going. And, um, oh, it was just so much fun. Like it was awesome. But yeah, it was, it was that feeling that I think, in, in in my case, yeah, it was just this overwhelming sense of praise. Like, they yeah. were just like... Joy in the Lord. Oh, they were so happy. They were so happy. Even before I got there, like, they're playing these songs and they're singing and they're just stoked. And it was just... It was awesome. They're just praising God. It was the best. That's cool. All right, so let's go back to our Bible passage and let's... Uh continue reading here we've had some you know some amazing experiences that uh we can kind of relate to what's happening here but mm. you've got a choir you've got two choirs or you've got one choir that starts off singing together there are a whole bunch of musical instruments then that one choir splits into two and they circle the city with ezra leading one mm. and nehemiah at the rear of the other um and yeah okay let's where, where do we get up to let's uh, go to verse 37 Okay, the Bible says in verse 37, At the fountain gate they went straight up the steps on the ascent of the city wall toward the city of David. They passed the house of David and then proceeded to the water gate on the east. The second choir, giving thanks, went northward around the other way to meet them. I followed them together with the other half of the people along the top of the wall, past the tower of the ovens to the board wall. Then past the Ephraim gate, sorry, um, to the old city gate, past the fish gate and the tower of Hananel, and on the tower of the hundred. Then we continued on to the sheep gate and stopped at the guard gate. Okay, so they're heading one way, 
And so the Bible says, So stood the two companies of those that gave thanks in the house of God, and I and half of the rulers with me. And the priests, Eliakim, Maaseiah, Miniam, Micaiah, Elioni, Zechariah, Ananiah, with trumpets. Some of my friends, they they kid, they have like a little baby, and its name's Ellie and I, which is oh, an awesome. There you name. go. And now you found out that it was a Bible name. Oh, I knew it was a Bible name. I just had, didn't know where it was from. Yeah, didn't now know you know where, where it was from. from. Now I know what's up. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, they just they're going hard. They're they just are. like, and this is all the people of a gathering. Like this is yes. thousands and thousands. Like my experience was like, you know, five six hundred people, and that was like huge. This is thousands of people who are just worshiping together, praising God. And singing together. Do you think? Do you find this somewhat symbolic? Symbolic of what? Um, I, I see here, you know, that they've started in the one place and they've kind of split into two groups and they've surrounded the city and met in another place. Like I just see this as, in, in a in a vague kind of way, like a symbol of completion. That that you know God is surrounding them and therefore that that you know they're surrounding, they're meeting that surrounding that God has with praise. Um. They're, you know, they've completed the wall and it's like, you know, it's kind of, they've, they've pulled, they've made a kind of circle here as they've walked, you know, with one company on one side and one company on the other side, starting in one place, splitting off and coming back together. They've created a circle and I think that just represents, you know, the completion um, that God has brought them in specifically. God has been separated from them as God has brought them back together. Yeah. It's, they've been separated from God. They've been separated from each other. They've been brought back together again. Mm. They've been scattered throughout the world. And now they have been reunited. I think you got some good thoughts there, Lawson. I had mm. never thought of that before. Yeah. I, I just That's think it's, wild. it's really awesome. And now, you know, you're at a time where, like, they're walking on top of the wall they just built, you know. Yeah. They're, they're, there's there's a real sense of completion that they've come back together and that they're, you know, moving forward into the into the future. And they are now the a united people mm. who know who they are, where they've come from, and what God has called them to be. And, of course, like, oh, that that is just such a way to summarize what's been going on you know as we've been studying through the last couple of chapters when we see you know them reading through the law for the first time in a couple hundred years when we see them um you know the the prayer that nehemiah prays and instituting you know the traditions that they that they hadn't have had up until this point and then in chapter 10 you know making a vow to keep doing that, you know, for the rest of their time. It's like, okay, well, now it's complete, you know, and they've, they've come back together. Man, it's really powerful. It's going to be amazing. Okay, so this is – it was amazing. Um, this is something that, you know, goes through my mind when I read this passage is, you know, do you think that this was – well, how, how different would this be to the way that we would often participate in something like this today? Because in Western mm. society, this kind of an event would be a – um, probably a uh, you know, you go to a concert. Mm. How is this different from going to a concert? Um, oh, man, uh, obviously it's different to some kind of concerts um that are out there. But yeah, I think that this. What was the question again? What were you saying? How is this different to going to a concert? Yeah, because I guess the thing that goes through my mind is a concert is very much entertainment-based, whereas this was very much participation-based. Mm, yeah. You know, it's always fun when you go to a concert and the, uh, the the person or the people who are a part of the concert, they just get everybody so to true. start participating and everybody's just sort of relaxed and kicks back and it becomes like a cross between a concert and a jam session. Mm. You know, when we had uh, Anna Beden and Kemi Gendi out at Maintenance church you know a couple of months back 
um, there was a whole bunch of pieces there that the audience knew, and they're like, "Yeah, just sing along," you know, and yeah, and uh, and and that was great. And of course, there were other pieces that were their special pieces that um, that they performed as a mm. performance, which was fantastic as well. But uh, such a great atmosphere in which to be able to worship. Whereas this was one where, yes, you had your two choirs, you had the choirs that sang and the people mm. that prayed fully, and this was the whole city united together in the worship of God. Mm. And we just don't see that happen often today. You know, my experience in uh, in Aksum in Ethiopia was probably the pro- closest we get to that kind of thing. Oh Lord, I come, I come before your throne, just as I'm known, I long to know you more and more. I hear your knock, oh Lord. I'll open the store just to be by you. And if I want love, I'll come to the cross. And if I want life, I'll count this life lost. Anchor my soul, don't let me drift away. And if I want peace, I'll come to the King. And if I want release, then you'll have to be. Anchor of my soul, don't let me drift away. Jesus, I will stay with you. Yes, I will stay with you. Now that I've begun, I feel the rays of the sun. Father, I'm undone by your glory. So let your love shine now. I lay my life down. Down at your feet, I am whole. And if I want love, I'll come to the cross. If I want life, I'll count this life. With you, 
Welcome back to Faith FM, continuing on with Encounter with God, but we have just had word that the quiz has in fact been answered. Shout out Anthony from Stanhope who got the answer correct, which was of course King Ahab. We were talking about super gnarly dude from the Bible who did some really terrible um, things, um, who was just, just awful Awful, probably one of the worst, one of the worst kings out there. Would you agree, Lyle? Do you reckon? Absolutely. He was, he was just most definitely worst of the worst. But um, yeah. Well, thankfully, it's it's uh, it's brought someone joy because they will win a prize by knowing who this person is. Indeed, they will. All right, where are we up to in our study of the Bible? We're talking about music and the role that music plays. Let's look at a couple of other instances that um, are maybe a little bit uh, reflective of what is taking place here Mm. in the book of Nehemiah where they have this amazing worship service that literally circles the entire city. Exodus chapter 15. Do you remember what this worship service is all about? Exodus chapter 15. Yes, I do, Lyle. Wonderful. I know. Give us the background of it. What's up? So basically, they like they sing a song in Exodus chapter fifteen, and it's called the Song of Moses. It is, and the song is all about how Even God, though his sister, leads it. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's called the Song of Moses, and it's all about how God led his people, the Israelites, out of Egyptian captivity. They'd just come through the Red Sea. They'd seen their their enemies vanquish. Interestingly enough, over the last couple of weeks at church, we've been talking about this passage in the Bible. We've been talking about Moses and the deliverance of, of Israel. And, and, you know, one of the things that always kind of makes me chuckle is like when the, the Egyptians follow them into the Red Sea and they're like surrounded by darkness and there's all this, you know, the gnarly pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And, you know, they're like seeing all these crazy miracles and plagues and then they get in the midst of the Red Sea and the wheels fall off their chariot and they're like, wow, God is working, you know, God is working for the Israelites. And that's when they realize, like, after all these crazy miracles, it's when (laughs) the wheels, like, literally fall off their chariots. They're like, God must be with them. Um, But, you know, after... Took you that long to figure it out? (laughs) Yeah. But after the vanquishing of the Egyptian armies, you know, the Israelites finally find freedom, you know, for the first time in years. They've just been, uh, you know, oppressed by slavery. God has emancipated them. And then that comes to Exodus chapter 15, and they sing... The Song of Moses. The Song of Moses, the Song of the Lamb, the Song of Deliverance. Mm. And you can imagine the... You, you can actually... There's, there's there's music to this song. Maybe if you YouTube it or something or other, you'll be able to find... Maybe uh, Shell can sing it for us. Yeah. Because it's a scripture song. She can. Oh, is she walking into the studio? Come on in. Yes. Come, in. Come and sing Moses. the Song of Moses. Sing the Song of Moses for us. Jump on the microphone. Absolutely. All right. Okay, your microphone's on. Shell? It's a good thing you caught me in the right mood. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Okay, so I want you to listen up. Um, you need a Bible, do you? Uh, you need a KJV, no, the Song of Moses. You can't, you can't do the Song of Moses from anything other than the King James Version. Um, it's the only version that it will work Elitist. in. I'm not quite sure why, but I guess <laughs> the person who put uh, music to it in the... Where is it? I can't see it. Yeah, you'll find it. It's Exodus 15 and... 
starting and so basically what you need to do is you need to learn this song kids love this song so if you've got like a primary school class or something or other it's a song that's got you know a bit of um a bit of uh it's got a bit of pep to it if you Mm. if you want to put it that way it's um it's it's not a song that sort of sits still it's you're looking for the verse that starts with uh i will sing unto the lord Okay, I think it's just right in the first verse. Yeah, yeah it is. It's midway down in the first verse. Okay. Yep. I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength, my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Ah, uh, that was just amazing. You, there's a, oh, that was yeah, 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 so yeah. good. <laughs> like, Live music here on oh, that was, SM. That was fantastic. From the producer herself. That's, that's only one so verse of it. Good. That's yeah. only one verse. There's a whole bunch of verses oh, to that song. Yeah, that was awesome. Wish oh shell let's let's make a song legend just oh, legend right that there was... can I have my Bible back please I don't know can you yeah <laughs> okay so so on your picture this one this one's this one's a little bit different of a picture uh, you've just been released from captivity you've been a slave mm. all your life you are experiencing freedom for the first time ever you can wake up in the morning and you are not being told what you have to do after generations and generations of slavery. There is no threat anywhere in the world to threaten your life for the first time in your life, and the, you know the Egyptian army is the bottom of the of the of the Red Sea, mm. and they sing this song. You have an entire nation who sings this song. This is like you know maybe one one point two million, million people, people wow. singing together, you know, and singing it with meaning. I mean, we can sing it here, but we don't have the same meaning that it has. Uh, that it would have had for those people who were actually singing it there mm. on the uh, on the banks of the Red Sea, having just received you know freedom from captivity. Wow. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, let's go to uh, Revelation. Oh, there's a bunch of them here. Ooh. Revelation. Which one will I choose? Which one will I choose? Revelation. Uh, Seven. Well, there's the, there's the, Fourteen. I, I was thinking of nineteen. Um, yeah, 19 is good But yeah, 15 15 is the Song of Moses here But of course this is the Song of Moses Sung by the 144,000 mm. um, Rather than by the Israelites And of course there's a parallel between the two mm. You know, I saw another sign in heaven Great and marvellous Seven angels having the seven last plagues But in verse 2 it says I saw as it were a sea of glass Mingled with fire And those that have gotten the victory over the beast His image, his mark, the number of his name Stand on the sea of glass Having the harps of God And they sing the song of Moses The servant of God And the song of the Lamb Saying Great and marvellous are your works Lord God almighty Just and true are your ways You king of saints Mm. You know there will come a day In the future when we will sing in heaven. Yeah. And, you know, here the Bible speaks about this particular group of people singing, but there's coming a day when, you know, the saved of all ages. Mm. When you think about that, that's a big group. 
Mm. That's in the New Jerusalem. And I kind of wonder, because the New Jerusalem has a wall, mm. I kind of wonder whether we would just form into two groups and walk around that wall, singing as we go, meeting on the other side with one group. Uh, sorry, no, let me start that again. In, in the, in the uh, Nehemiah story, Ezra led one group and Nehemiah followed the other. Maybe... Jesus will lead one group and the Father will follow the other. Man, I think oh, we don't know what's going to happen in heaven, but man, you know, why not? This is the new Jerusalem. But then there's like a, a lesson from this, like a, in an overall sense of like the whole great controversy in the battle of sin. And it's like those who meet Jesus at the end are those who are praising God along the way. Yes. You know, through that separation. Yes. Like, and now it's like, you know, when we meet God in the end, like we'll continue to praise him. And that's because we decided to praise yes. him in our separation. Absolutely. And this mm. is what you see with the 144,000 and the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They had gone through some really hard times. Yeah. And they sing a song of their experience. Mm. Uh, and as they sing that song of their experience, then, uh, you know, they're drawn closer to God. This is uh, Josh Cunningham with the Old Rugged Cross. On an old rugged cross On a hill long ago Hung one without guilt, without blame And for salvation of souls For the sins of the world That's why my Savior was slain Won't you look to Oh, rugged cross See Jesus Confess His name And say, Father, forgive me I know that I'm lost You'll be found That old Rugged cross And from that old Rugged cross He was laid in The tomb But death over Him had No claim For Jesus was raised So that all might be saved Believe and break Free from sin's chains Won't you look to the old rugged cross And see Jesus Confess his name And say, Father, forgive me I know that I'm lost You'll be found at that old 
rugged cross Your burden gets hard, and when it feels like all hope is lost, there's a way that is easy. There's a yoke that is light. Just follow and take up your cross. His name and say, Father, forgive me. I know that I'm lost. You'll be found at that old rugged cross. Just lay your burden at the foot of that. Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5, designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. (laughs) Is forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
Lauren Daigle with What Child Is This? You listen to Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time. And we have a question that has come in from a listener. Very interesting question, this one. Lawson, what have you got for us? Okay, so I just want to say that was an amazing song. It was. Nice jazzy feel to it this morning. Um, Okay, the question is, why are extroverses, for example, Mark 16, 9 to 20, included, or John, you know, 5, 4, or Acts 8, 37, um, or, you know, these specific verses excluded and footnoted in modern Bibles, if translators believe, if translators believe they are at additions to the original New Testament canon and not found in scripture, uh, some of the most early Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me just reword this. Basically, why, why do you have some? Why are some verses included? Why are some verses excluded? Even you know, even though they're not, even though they're not found in the original New Testament canon and in the earliest manuscripts and whatnot. 
Yeah, and, and, and a classic example is, uh, what is it, First John chapter 4, I think it is, or something or other, where you know there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Son. Mm. For the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Word, and these three are one. Um, a classic example of that. Um, and a lot of people, it's probably the most debated verse that there is in the Bible. Should this verse be in there? Does it come from a footnote or not come from a footnote? And the New Testament is a bit unique um, as opposed to the Old Testament in this regard. You do not have these kinds of debates to any serious extent in the Old Testament because you don't have that variation of manuscripts. Uh, Basically what you've got is you've got two groups of manuscripts. You've got your very, very early manuscripts, which come from, you know, 4th and 5th century, um, and there's about two of them, um, and then you have your later manuscripts, which begin um, in around about the uh, the 900 ADs thereabouts. Um, so you know you're looking at 10th century manuscripts, and there's a, there's a, there's a significant gap in the middle. A lot of the latest manuscripts have more passages in them than the earlier manuscripts. And so the argument goes, there are two ways of looking at this. And of course, you know, with your later manuscripts beginning in your, your 900s, of course, there are, you know, thousands of those manuscripts, lots and lots of them, um, Greek New Testaments that they can translate from. And so the argument kind of looks at, okay, what do you go with? Do you go with majority or do you go with oldest for accuracy? And there are very powerful arguments that go either way. You know, some people say, well, the majority is right. When you've got thousands of manuscripts that all agree, then um, it should be that these, these passages should be there. The others are like, well, when you've got some really, really old ones that are not there, um, this is obviously extra information that has been added in after that. Um, which sounds like a fairly simple argument until you actually start to look into the science of textual criticism. And then you have another aspect that comes in, and that is the aspect of pedigree. We know that during the uh, 4th and 5th century that paganism was flooding into Christianity, it was having a huge effect on Christianity, and it was having a huge effect on you know the way the Bible was being you know read and understood and interpreted, and it would be unreasonable to expect that it would not have an effect on the way that the Bible was being copied. So that is an argument from pedigree that says that you know these early ones aren't necessarily more accurate just because they are older. If you look at the the the, the heritage of where they came from. You know, you can sort of trace the, the, the line of thought down through Justin Martyr, Tatan, um, 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 and his name is Oregon, uh, Eusebius. You know, these are guys who, who were very, very specific in the fact that they were including pagan concepts into Christianity, taking paganism, clothing it with Christianity was the kind of language that they were using. Um, and of course, you've got Oregon who puts together the Hexapla, which is, you know, an eight column, uh, New Testament, uh, which becomes the basis for these, these couple of old manuscripts. We've got the, uh, Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. And a lot of people ask the question, you know, when you've got somebody who invents things like, you know, purgatory out of thin air, um, and who specifically teaches that nothing in the Bible is actually real. It's just, it's all entirely allegorical. You can't take the Bible literally. Can you also trust what he has chosen to in, to include or exclude from the New Testament? Mm. Um, and then you have, on the other hand, you have your uh, your Eastern manuscripts. Of course, they're coming out of um, Antioch and, and, and very old uh, centers like that, um, which are missionary centers, which are translating the Bible 
into many different languages very early on in the uh, second century, and there's many copies of those translations in existence today that um, that still have uh, that, that are still available and still have these passages in them. Well, okay, those are not original Greek manuscripts, but they are very old manuscripts, and they do include these passages. Then it would appear that these are not later editions, but in fact they have been around there for. A, uh, a very first time. So even taking the most controversial of them all from First John, you know, you've got 20 Greek manuscripts that have it um, in the text. You've got a first century Greek papyrus that contains it. You've got old Latin manuscripts that have it. You've got the Latin fathers attesting to it. Um, you've got Jerome refers to it in his prologue to the canonical epistles mm. as existing before he produced the Vulgate. You've got notable Greek fathers who attest to it. Um, You've got you know, Arius who invented Arianism and he never contested it. Um, you've got the French Olivetan Bible, a gift from the Waldenses that has it. You know, and you can, and that's just a start of the list of you know things that you can go down through. Um, and, and of course, the the, the Waldenses, the Italic uh, Waldensian Bible, is a very very early translation, you know, second century translation of the Scriptures. So you know. <laughs> It's not as simple as older is accurate. It is much more detailed than that. But those are some of the reasons why some translations will place them in the margin or footnotes, etc. Anyway, let's move on. This is Keith Lancaster, The Archipella Company, with Ancient Words. Sacrifice, oh, eat the 
Welcome back to Faith FM. Unfortunately, we have come to the end of our show today. But fortunately, that means that we are going into the rest of our day doing the amazing things that we need to do. We want to thank you from the bottom of our heart here at Faith FM for tuning in, for listening to um, our Bible study, our new stories, our attempted interview, unfortunately, today. Um, Lyle had to step out of the studio and head off, so I will be closing out the show, obviously, if you are a listener, with a free giveaway. Get your phones ready, one 800 324 Eight four three. The book I'm giving away today is probably like one of the best books I have ever read. Um, I've been reading through the book of Matthew at the moment. It's got some amazing, incredible teachings of Jesus, amazing parables that that he taught um, to you know that he gave to to for us to understand the deeper things of God and and of you know the things that he wants us to know, object lessons that we can learn about. And we have this incredible book, Christ Object Lessons, which just basically jumps into those teachings of Jesus and, you know, just fully expounds on this book by E.G. White. Yeah, incredible, incredible book. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843. If you want to know the Bible better, if you want to understand um, those object lessons from Jesus a little bit better, yeah, get this book. Of course, we want to remind you as well, get in touch with us if you want uh, personal Bible studies or just to know your Bible better. Yeah, give us a call, 1-800-324-843. This is the Faith of Man. Shining, shining 
time has come, let us arise. For heaven's judge is soon returning.